the vital way. With ancient wisdom meets the cutting edge to optimize your vitality and performance. There are no right ways, just better ways. Welcome to the Vital Way Podcast. Logan Christopher here. And today on the line with me, I have Samantha Gladish. She's a Toronto-based author, speaker, nutritionist, and founder of HolisticWellness.ca. She's the author of The Qualitarian Life and The Qualitarian Cookbook, which focuses on something very important but missed in virtually all diets, the quality of the food you eat. You know, imagine that. Uh, she has a lot of very cool recipes. In fact, she sent me a recipe for paleo donuts, which I'm going to try to make this weekend. And I had the pleasure of meeting Samantha last month at the Fitness Business Summit down in Costa Mesa, California, and was excited to bring her on the podcast because she uh, she knows women's hormones, and that's something you know we've covered a lot with men's hormones in the past, and we'll continue to do so. But definitely want to extend this to the other sex as well. So thanks for joining me today, Samantha. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. So how did you get involved in working with women in this way? Um. Well, being a woman myself, um, <laughs> <laughs> I um, I've always really been interested in health and fitness and food and nutrition. And um, even just growing up, it was just something that I was naturally drawn to just, you know, eating really healthy food and being in the garden. And, and so in my teenage years, you know, I suffered pretty terribly with P, uh, PMS and uh, my periods were very irregular and it was just kind of all over the place. And Really, it wasn't so bad compared to now when I see a lot of my clients who are suffering with a lot of fibroids and PCOS and heavy periods and whatnot. I luckily didn't have any of that. But um, the sort of Band-Aid approach that most doctors offer is to go on the birth control pill. So, um, you know, at a young age, I went on the pill, maybe around 17, and I was on it for almost eight years, and I had... It was around that time when I started to study nutrition and I went to, to school to, to be a holistic nutritionist and started to really learn about the physiology of the body and really learned about the birth control pill and what I was actually doing and really learn how you can use food to heal. And so that really um, sort of started my path on really wanting to sort of ditch the pill and heal my hormones naturally. And then I wanted to take all of that information and share it with other women and help other women do that. And so that's really how it kind of got started. Excellent. It's, it's very interesting coming at this from a men's perspective. We literally have no idea what it's like to be a woman and all the things you guys must go through. Uh, so sure. with that PMS, you know, we do, we are on the receiving end of, you know, when PMS can be bad, you know, there's a lot of jokes about that yeah. and whatnot. So uh, can we go into a little detail about, you know, it's, is PMS like a natural thing that every woman goes through? Why do some women have it much worse than other? And what are some of the things we can do about it to make it more balanced? Yes. Great question. Question. So um, there's many different types of PMS. So P PMS is premenstrual syndrome, and it's basically all those symptoms that you experience right around menstruation, basically. And there's many different types. So there's there's actually four types of, of PMS. There's PMS-A, which is anxiety, uh, which actually affects about 80% of women, and they, they really just get a lot of irritability and mood swings right before their period. And then there's uh, type C, which is more for cravings, which 
I'm sure a lot of women are experiencing. Um, so you have like increased appetite and more headaches and fatigue. And then there's also type D, which is for depression. And a lot of women, you know, experience sort of like this sort of loneliness and forgetfulness and just sort of this mild depression. And then type H is for hyperhydration. And that's basically uh, water retention is really what's happening or, or sort of like edema that a lot of women experience and some weight gain and even like breast tenderness. And so there's different types of PMS and some women will fall into more uh, maybe all categories or more cat- uh, one category over the other. So it really definitely varies. But it's really there's so many different things that can affect your cycle. So uh, the food that you eat by far is probably the most important one. Lifestyle, you know, if you're leading a really stressful lifestyle, especially with a lot of, you know, younger teenagers or university students, that's probably when a lot of women, a lot of younger girls are, you know, maybe they're highly competitive and they're in sports or they're in university and there's a lot of studying going on and staying up really, really late and eating a lot of sugar and carbohydrate rich foods. And so that can really throw off your cycle. Um, And then just really being overexposed to a lot of estrogens that we have in our in our environment, um, estrogens that we can get off of plastics, um, different antibiotics and hormones that we find in food, these can all affect our hormones and really sort of throw our system out of balance. And so this will affect menstruation. And then even being nutrient deficient in, you know, p- potentially magnesium or zinc or B vitamins, um, these can all affect how um how our cycle is so there's a lot of things that can really play a role in whether we experience pms symptoms or not and for the most part i mean we're looking at about 80 to 90 percent of women who really do suffer uh, with a lot of symptoms so we have a couple different hormones at play right with a woman's cycle the way i like to think about men are men are quite simple hormonally compared to women we we operate more on a daily cycle so it's really easy but women operate on the monthly cycle right so right. certain hormones are coming up and certain other ones are falling uh specifically progesterone and estrogen could you go into a little detail of that because that, that's kind of behind some of these problems right absolutely absolutely so you guys just got it so easy you know <laughs> um, yes women are more complex um, and so we have our our main estrogen, which is basically our estradiol. And I like to refer to it as like the sex kitten of hormones. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's really what gives you your libido. It stimulates your mood. It helps to regulate your menstrual cycle. And it helps with lubrication, which is important for sex. And it improves your your bone health, it maintains bone density, and it's really great for skin health. And it also helps to increase different neurotransmitters. So it helps to increase serotonin and dopamine, which is really great because what happens is right after your period, you your estrogen, your estradiol, it raises. And so this is typically a time where a lot of women feel like they're superwoman and they can like take on the world. And that's typically because we have um, higher amounts of serotonin and dopamine, which is, you know, like uh, serotonin is like the happy hormone. And then you have dopamine, which is 
really helps to govern like motivation. So you'll find a lot of women when they get off their period, they they're like more motivated to hit the gym or to sort of like follow a healthy, uh, you know, diet or eating regimen. And that's because they have higher amounts of dopamine dopamine. So it's really interesting how these sort of hormones play out over the month. And then what happens is typically we have estradiol that's um, in a typical sort of 28 day cycle. You have estradiol that's higher from day one to 14. And then from day 15 to day 28 is when we have our progesterone that increases. And so I, so the, so estradiol is like the sex kitten and then progesterone is like the fat cat. <laughs> that's how I like to explain it and so it's like you know like a fat cuddly cat it's it's the calming hormone and it's um it's just really the counterbalance to estrogen so where estrogen is very stimulating you have progesterone that's more calming and it can actually increase uh, GABA which is a neurotransmitter as well and that's more of like a relaxing and sedating hormone and it helps you sleep it's um, you know progesterone is sort of like an anti-stress hormone and really it means um, like it's pro-gestation so it's basically to to hold and care for a baby essentially for for nine months that's really what um, progesterone is so they're they sort of just work in tandem in your cycle you have estrogen that's sort of um, building up the uterus for the first half of your cycle and then in the second half of your cycle you have uh, progesterone that kind of comes along and nurtures and stabilizes what estrogen sort of built up so they really work in balance with each other okay very cool so <laughs> Is it more typical for the estrogen to get off off kilter for women or progesterone, or is it a mixture of the both because if one sort of leads to the other? Absolutely. Yeah. If, if one gets kind of out of whack, the other one can get out of whack. And that kind of goes for like all of our hormones. Um, it's kind of like almost like a domino effect where they can all really start to trickle down to one another. Um, but typically, you do see things with more estrogen um, because you'll see more like estrogen dominant issues, right? Mm -hmm. Where again, like you have excess estrogen basically, and this can be from, from your food, from um, different like toxins or whatnot in your, in your environment. And what's happening is basically your liver, which is your main detoxifying organ, it also metabolizes your hormones. And so you have all this excess estrogen coming into your system and your liver is sort of like overwhelmed and it can't metabolize or detoxify them out efficiently. So you kind of have this estrogen dominance uh, effect that happens. But, you know, it's tough to say, like, it can be, it can go both ways. It could be mm -hmm. progesterone that's low as well. Um, and uh, if estrogen is high, too high, then it could lower the progesterone. And again, like it can go back and forth. So it can, right. yeah, it can, yeah. So we can have too high or too low progesterone and too high or too low uh, estrogen as well. Yes, absolutely. And even with like testosterone, um, mm -hmm. testosterone, even though we have, you know, like one tenth of what <laughs> uh, men actually have, we still mm -hmm. have a little bit. And that's a really I think a lot of women get scared when they hear testosterone. I think they yep. it's yeah, they think it's this like manly bodybuilding hormone or something. And it's which it is, but it's so much more. <laughs> right, right. That's part of it. But um, we don't have nearly as much as 
um, you know, what men have. And so it's definitely a hormone of um, like vitality and it definitely helps with arise, uh, arousal and sex drive. And it really does help you to stay lean. But, and if we have too little of it, we um, may not have much of a sex drive. And if we have too much of it, then this can lead to issues like with polycystic ovarian syndrome or maybe infertility. So again, it can go both ways. Okay. Is there, just because I've been reading up on women's hormones and some women seem to be of the opinion that most women have too high of testosterone, other than saying like almost all women have low testosterone, uh, would you say it's a little bit more of one of these cases? Yeah. In your opinion? I would say we typically have lower amounts. Okay. Um, only because like one of the best ways to sort of like preserve and increase your testosterone as a woman is to actually lift weights. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really not just for testosterone, but for all of your hormones to really keep them in an optimal ratio. Um, Weightlifting is really, really great. And it's especially great for just your bone density. And of course we're staying lean and whatnot, but I don't find a lot of women are doing that. So um, they, they tend to have a little bit, uh, lower testosterone, or again, they could be having too much of the xenoestrogens uh, coming mm-hmm. in from the environment, and that will displace testosterone as well. Okay, so definitely, like I said, for men, pretty complex. Generally, we want to increase <laughs> testosterone. For women, it can be too high, too low, and all these different hormones. So yep. it is quite a bit harder. And we we talked about estradiol. Uh, what about some of the other estrogens, estrone and estriol? Mm-hmm. How do those come into play? So those are really more weaker um, estrogens. And um, so estradiol is like the main sort of strongest uh, estrogen. And then estrone is is very weak, and it's typically something that you'll see in more like menopausal women. And it's not really a hormone that is very active. Like it's, you won't find it in many tissues or many like receptor sites in, in the body. Um, and estriol is kind of like a, like a byproduct of estradiol. And again, it's just not very strong and it's, um, it won't have the same effect on our tissues and, and our receptors the way that, that estradiol does. But I mean, we do have them all. It's just mm-hmm. different stages in your life where one is sort of more dominant than the other. Right. So these are maybe kind of the male equivalents of androstenediol, andros. I forget the names of the different ones, but they're <laughs> right. the other androgens that just don't have as much play as uh, testosterone and DHT. So just yes. different forms of estrogen. Yes, absolutely. Got it. Okay. So we brought up uh, birth control a little bit in the beginning, but uh, can you tell what birth control and different forms of birth control can do to women's hormones? So this is a great question. Probably like a topic I could just talk about all day. <laughs> <laughs> um so I was on birth control myself and I was on it for about eight years. And, um, you know, I didn't really know what it was at the time. Like my doctor was just like, here you go. Like, go, here's, here's the pack, take it home, start on it today kind of thing. Right. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of women have this idea that the pill or any type of hormonal contraceptive, there's some uh, hormonal IUDs that are used and there's some shots, there's, pills and patches. There's all types of things that are um, hormone based and they're synthetic hormones. So they do not work at all the way that your own natural hormones work. And so, you know, when I went, are, uh, quick question, are all birth control, 
are all of them synthetic? There's no natural ones? That's right. Okay. Yep. Um, well, at least from my understanding, yeah, I've never heard of like a bioidentical <laughs> uh, birth control. Yeah. But I mean, there are non-hormonal birth control options, right. um, which is like, you know, the copper IUD, which is um, definitely something I would recommend over hormonal uh, IUD. But um, some women do find they experience more cramping with it. Um, and then, of course, like condoms or like the family sort of planning awareness method. You, you know, there's a whole bunch of non-hormonal methods, but sort of the quick fix is to do, you know, to take birth control pills. And so, like I said, you're really you're not taking you're, you're taking synthetic hormones, which are not mimicking your natural hormones whatsoever. And a lot of women have this idea that taking the birth control pill is balancing their hormones when it is not doing that at all. <laughs> so we sort of lost sight of really what the birth control pill is. And because it's just kind of been this band-aid approach to every hormonal issue with women, which I think has been really ridiculous. And so, um, you know, it's been used to treat fibroids and heavy bleeding and PCOS and endometriosis and any type of premenstrual issues, take the birth control pill. So, I mean, the pill was meant to just prevent birth, but we have this idea that taking it, you know, balances out our cycle. And what it really does is it's shutting down um, ovulation. And so that's really the whole purpose of, you know, I wouldn't say the whole purpose of being a woman, but our body <laughs> right. is meant to, you know, um, reproduce right that's that's what our body that's what our cycle is meant for every month it's, we want to have a baby and so um you shut down ovulation from happening which is when you can actually um have a baby um that's sort of like your window of opportunity of c conceiving and when you ovulate that's when you really produce a lot of your estrogen and your progesterone so it's such a key part of your cycle, if not the most important part of your cycle. And when you take a birth control pill, it completely shuts that down. So that process does not happen at all. So you're not producing the right estrogen and progesterone. And then what's also happening, too, is that um, a lot of women, you know, so you take the pill for like three weeks and then you go off of it for a week onto sort of your sugar pills. And that's really when you would have your period. But that's actually not a period. That's a pill bleed. It's not a true period. So I've had a lot of clients who have come to me from, you know, they from the age of 13 or 14, they were on the pill and now they're like in their 30s or their 40s, which literally means like they've never had a true real period. They never once ovulated. They never once allowed their um, ovaries or their follicles to actually mature. And they've never produced their true um, estrogen or progesterone. So they've really shut down that entire system from working. So I started on the pill at 17. And the good thing with that is that I had a good four or five years of having a, a natural real period. So that was great. It was a great way to help my system mature. Um, but a lot of women don't have that and they're going on the pill or have gone on the pill really, really young. So they really never had a true period or a true ovulation. So um, not only is it affecting ovulation, but 
the pill is causing a lot of nutrient deficiencies. So it's affecting um, our B vitamins. It's basically depleting all our B vitamins, our vitamin C, zinc, magnesium. And on top of that, it's really destroying all of our gut flora. So all of that really good bacteria in our gut, it's, it's really killing that. And, you know, a lot of that bacteria is necessary to produce certain different enzymes and hormones and um, to assimilate nutrients. So it's just creating a lot of nutrient deficiencies. And um, we need B vitamins um, for optimal hormonal balance and for balancing our blood sugar. And we need vitamin C. We need zinc. We need magnesium. I mean, these are all essential nutrients to actually um help with fertility and help with a healthy natural cycle. And so the pill just really um, depletes us from all of that. All right. So the sort of goal is to make it so you can't get pregnant, but, you know, these hormones are doing so much more than just that. Yeah. So it's really screwing up things. So what happens if someone is coming off the pill? Yes. So that's where a lot of my work comes in. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, I love working with women who, you know, call me up and they're like, oh, I read one of your blog posts about being on the pill and I want to come off of it now. So I love that because, um, you know, once they become educated and really want, you know, learn, start learning about their bodies, they they recognize that, um, you know, it's, it's not a good thing. So they want to get off of it. So it can it can vary for a lot of women, whether their period comes back right away or whether, you know, it might take a few months for it to come back. And um, it's normal for, you know, depending how long you've been on the pill, you know, if you've been on it for 20 years, then maybe your cycle might not return within a month of being off of the pill. It, it could take anywhere from three months to six months to even up to a year, I've seen. Um, but the important thing is that, you know, you want to support liver detoxification because you want to detoxify all of those synthetic hormones out of your system and um, really replenishing all those vital nutrients. So like the B vitamins, the vitamin C, zinc is a really, really important one because zinc actually helps to, um, it helps to support progesterone release. So that's important too, because you need progesterone if you do want to ovulate. So, um, you want to sort of support detoxification, replenish all those nutrients. And then this is where maybe you might introduce some herbs. So for example, this is where um, Vitex, otherwise known as chaseberry, is a really great herb, um, although it's a really, really strong herb. So I know some women who do take it like all of the time, which I don't really recommend. It's something you kind of want to dose. And, um, It's really great for, um, it basically helps to produce ovulation and, um, or enhance ovulation by raising progesterone. So the best way to take it is probably in the morning because, um, it, it kind of works with your pituitary gland and that's when your pituitary gland is most sort of sensitive and you want to take it in the morning before breakfast. So it's a strong herb. You want to do sort of maybe a lower dose of it. And um, that's if maybe your period hasn't returned. And um, even if you're not ovulating and you want to obviously conceive, then that's when you might want to introduce Vitex. So obviously a lot of women come off the pill because they want to get pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. But 
it's a scary process because, you know, I've had some women who have been on the pill for a really long time and luckily they got off of it and their period returned within like two months and then they got pregnant like right after which might seem really great and they're you know it they may think like oh I'm, I'm really healthy and my system's really healthy to return to normal which is great but if you didn't detoxify all of that synthetic hormones out of your system or you know work to replenish uh, all the nutrients and the good bacteria then then that's scary because you could be potentially passing all of that on to the fetus. So detoxification is really important when it comes to fertility. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people are appreciating just how much the liver plays into the hormonal thing. It really should be considered one of the endocrine glands because of its role in the detoxification, whether it's you know estrogens from the birth control pill or from the environment like we've talked about. Right, right, absolutely. So, yes, liver is really important with any type of sort of hormone balancing program. Okay. So what are some of the other herbs that uh, you have your clients take besides Vitex? Um, I love ashwagandha. It's Mm -hmm. been a really, really amazing herb for a lot of my clients. It's a really potent antioxidant and it's great for anxiety and being that, you know, almost 80% of women are experiencing, are, are experiencing anxiety right around their period. It, it works really well for them. And then, um, it's also a great anti-inflammatory. It's great for sleep. It's great for libido. So, and I also find that because it has very calming effects, um, even for myself, like I can't take it during the day, uh, maybe just because I'm, a little bit sensitive to it. So I take it at night and it actually uh, helps me sleep. So um, yeah, it's a really great Ayurvedic herb that, that I love recommending. And then rhodiola is another really great one because I mean, a lot of the time we have to think about stress too. And mm-hmm. ashwagandha is really great for stress, um, but same with rhodiola. And um, a lot of women are really stressed. <laughs> so <laughs> They're very high strung and they've got a lot going on between, you know, lifestyle and kids and work and whatnot. So um, it's important to really manage cortisol levels. And so rhodiola is really great for that. And it actually, it prevents, because it's kind of a tricky process, but basically it prevents unwanted, like the unwanted conversion of progesterone to cortisol. And that can happen. Um, I don't really know sort of like the biomechanics of how it all goes down, but that can actually happen. Right. And so, uh, if if I understand it correctly, we have a cholesterol which con- gets converted into um, pregnenolone, which then converts to progesterone, and from there it can go over into the corticoids, the cortisol, or it can go down into the androgens and the estrogens. So, if you're having too much stress, the body's going to need to create the cortisol, right. and that's going to then steal it from the progesterone. I love it. Look at you. Amazing. <laughs> yes, and so that's what happens. A lot of these hormones can sort of convert into other hormones to help mm-hmm. assist in their production. And so, right, that's exactly what's happening. And so rhodiola can stop that process from happening. Um from progesterone converting to cortisol. So it's a really great herb. Excellent. Any other ones you can think of? Um, What do you personally take? Oh, my God, I take so much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Do share. I and, you know, for me, I I alter my supplements all of the time. 
Me too. Yeah. I mean, based on what it is that I really need to support, like, for example, uh, right now, I'm I'm really going through um, a lot of detoxification support. And so and it's mainly because I been paying attention to sort of my cycle over the past few months and the symptoms that I've been experiencing and I can sort of see more estrogen dominant issues and so I'm taking like turmeric and i3c which is indole 3 carbonyl from from broccoli essentially um and milk thistle it's like a combination of all of those and I'm just really taking that right now to help support the liver and I mean, I always introduce some homeopathics as well. I think some homeopathics work really, really great too, especially, um, they're very gentle and there's some really great homeopaths, uh, homeopathics that you can take for sort of like lymphatic drainage, which is really important because you can get a lot of, um, in your lymph system, it, um, you store a lot of fat soluble toxins. And so, that can affect um, your estrogen. And so I want to eliminate all of that. <laughs> and so a great way is to take uh, homeopathics to support lymphatic drainage. And so I'm sort of doing a mix of things. Yeah, so I've got some homeopathics mm-hmm. going. I've got the turmeric, the I3C, the milk thistle, the ashwagandha before bed. Um, oh my God, I take mushrooms like every day. I love the mushrooms. Um, Mm -hmm. And those are just great adaptogenics as well. So they're great for stress and they're also great for hormonal balance. And um, I I just sometimes put them in a smoothie. Like you can buy them in like powder form or grind them yourself or buy them in Mm -hmm. tincture, which is great too. And they're just great to just add into a smoothie. It's a really great way to take it. And then, um, yeah, lots of stuff. I'm, I'm my sort of my core, like absolutes, um, aside from like some of the herbs are things like probiotics, magnesium, zinc, um, high quality fish oil. Like those are sort of like the core every day. And then based on what I might need to address, that's when I start to incorporate the herbs. Right. Yeah, I think definitely adapting things over time is really what you're going to need to go. It's mm-hmm. There are certain things that you can certainly be on all the time, but definitely with a, a lot more of the hormonal stuff, you'll want to make some changes. So with uh, the detoxing, uh, do you have a recommendation for people as for, you mentioned, you know, you're listening to your body and you felt it was time to do that. For someone that may not be as much in tune, like, do you recommend detoxing a certain amount of times in the year or what would you say to that that's a great question um so I think a lot of people get really confused when it comes to detoxing because like detox is such a buzzword and so Mm -hmm. you know the last thing I want is people to run out to a health food store and buy like some 10-day detox kit and then sort of call it a day Um, because it doesn't necessarily work that way like we detoxify every single day and right. and so the best way to support detoxification is with the right foods. So um, it's really about getting rid of all of the junk, like the wheat and the sugar, um, maybe cutting back on alcohol or getting rid of it altogether because um, alcohol is actually very estrogenic. So we want to get rid of that. Um, is that all alcohols? Um, I don't know if it's all alcohols, but I know wine is um, estrogenic and beer can be estrogenic. So um, I know that there was a study that was done on uh, breast cancer patients and basically 
it was showing how two glasses of wine a night can increase breast cancer by 250% because it's increasing um, the estrogen. So, yeah, so paying attention to sort of um, the foods that, you know, we shouldn't be eating and just really eliminating those is really going to assist in the liver and helping it to sort of, you know, detox better because it's not having to deal with all the sugar and the alcohol and the weed and any sort of processed foods or, you know, GMOs, vegetable oils, things like that we really want to pay attention to. And then loading up on really good quality fats is really important. Avocado, olive oil, ghee, coconut oil. Not only is this really good for um, liver and detoxification, but it's really great for hormonal balance. Our, our hormones need fat to balance. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they need fat to function. And so um, water is really essential because water helps to flush toxins out of your system. Um, fiber is essential in any detox program because fiber is really what helps to bind to different toxins in your system and help flush it out. Um, so flax is really great for that. And flax can actually bind to excess estrogen in your gut and flush it out. So, of course, if you're increasing your fiber, you want to make sure you're increasing your water or it can back you up a bit. <laughs> and um, what else? Um trampoline jumping on the trampoline is actually Mm -hmm. one of the best things you can do for your lymphatic system and again like your lymphatic system stores a lot of fat soluble toxins and those fat soluble toxins can be hard to get rid of so jumping just like rebounding getting on a trampoline which is fun (laughs) you know you can do that um to help support detoxification and then of course um, like milk thistle is amazing for the liver, um, eating dark, bitter, leafy greens, which um, are pretty much like liver loving foods that the dark bitter helps to stimulate liver detoxification. Um, so include those. Um, there's just so much stuff. <laughs> yep, <laughs> absolutely is. Like well, that, we're about to run up on the time for the show so uh, where can people go to to learn more information from you and any women there listening if they want to get some coaching to go in more depth on this subject where would you like people to go absolutely so they can go to my site at holisticwellness.ca or um, even just google my name samantha gladish but um, all my information is there and if they are interested in sort of working one-on-one you know they can click on the the work with me and um, i outline everything there And yeah, I work primarily with um, doing obviously hormonal health. And then I have a really strategic weight loss program that I offer as well. And again, that's always addressing um, the hormones as well, addressing the insulin. So yeah, they can find me on my site. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you. That was great. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week with another podcast, a lot more exciting interviews coming up, more Q&A. Uh, as always, we'll be covering tons more on the hormones because that's kind of the what it feels really a place people need to focus, whether it's for you know different health issues, weight loss, and all that. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you enjoyed this, and we'll see you next week.